Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Joy Dooling, and you are listening to the Joy of Membership podcast. This podcast is for membership leaders. So we talk about strategies for attracting, engaging, and retaining members. But that's not entirely the focus of the show, because let's be honest here, there is no shortage of advice out there on best practices in membership. What we need to talk about is how to actually make those things possible in the real world, how to be absolutely sure that growth practices are going to stick, how to make those things easier, more consistent, and even automatic in some cases. Sound good? Then stick around because we're about to jump into it. Hey there, Joy Dooling here, host of the Joy of Membership podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. Are you looking for an easy way to say thank you to members for the holidays this year? Or maybe you'd like to send something special when a new member joins this quarter. It does not have to be expensive or difficult to show members that you're glad they've become part of your community. I've just released a new digital care package that I think you'll love because I personally curated the perfect content for this season of gratitude and giving. You can find the care package and place your order at joyofmembership.com slash care package. I guarantee you are going to love this week's guest. Julia Campbell is a nonprofit consultant and speaker who focuses on digital storytelling, social media marketing, and online fundraising. She is the author of two books, A Mom of Two Kids, and a Returned Peace Corps Volunteer. You'll hear the passion she holds around getting organizations and changemakers to stop spinning their wheels and instead get real results using digital tools. This interview comes at the perfect timing because she's going to share with us the importance of an end-of-year fundraising blueprint. That's something that's going to be super helpful for many of you who are listening in on this conversation. Sit back and enjoy my talk with Julia Campbell. Hey, Julia, thanks so much for being here today. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm really thrilled to be here, Joy. I've been looking forward to this conversation, but let's start with the place we always start with these interviews and have you share with the listeners um, who you are and who you help. My name is Julia Campbell, and I've been working in and around and adjacent to nonprofits for my entire professional career. And what I do currently in my business is I assist small nonprofits with their digital fundraising and digital marketing strategy. Awesome. Much needed. (laughs) Yes. So we are coming up on the end of 2020. And why is this a good time to be looking at fundraising? A lot of money raised. I think it's something like over 50% of money and charitable donations are raised at year end. So there is a lot of noise and there's a lot of clutter out there, but your donors are thinking about it. When we get into Thanksgiving, we get into gratitude season, we get into Giving Tuesday, we get into the holidays, and we really start to reflect on our year and has it been meaningful and what kind of meaningful difference 
can we make and what's important to us. And hopefully your nonprofit is going to be one of those things that comes up on the list of things that are important to your donors. So it's just something that people are reflecting on or thinking about. It's in the news a lot. It's on social media and people are raising money for great causes all over the place. So I imagine this has been a difficult year for fundraising for a lot of organizations too. Actually, it's interesting. So there have been a lot of different studies done. The Better Fundraising Company, which is run by Stephen Screen and Mark Phillips, they have done a lot of different studies on the effects of COVID-19 on fundraising. And what they found was that people are giving. It's just you have to ask. So not many nonprofits are asking because they do feel like there are financial hardships they, have, they feel like they don't want to burden their donors with one more thing. They also feel like maybe we're, we're not a COVID-19 facing charity. We're not emergency responders. We're not healthcare. We don't have the right to ask. So there's a little bit of imposter syndrome there. But what I would say is that your donors are giving. They want to give back. And giving and philanthropy really affords people agency. And it helps them feel connected to things that they care about. And it actually helps them feel more in control of the uncontrollable. So what I recommend is that never assume for your donors. Don't say we're an arts charity, we're a school, we're this, we're that. We can't raise money because we are not a traditional emergency relief charity. Your donors, they care about you and they care about your mission. So people are giving. I do think that I mean, it remains to be seen what the numbers are going to be, but the numbers this summer were very encouraging in terms of donations. Oh, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I think that at least I assumed that because a lot of people are going through financial hardship in 2020, that naturally there would have been some pulling back. So I'm glad that you don't see that necessarily as... Right. Completely true. Well, there's two ways ways to look at it. So definitely hundreds of millions of people out of work, or at least their work has been altered and changed in some way. We can't minimize the financial hardships that people are going through, but there's another entire group of people. They're not going on trips. They're not traveling. They're not seeing their families. They're not going for spa treatments. They're not doing all of the great brunches that they used to do. I mean, they have disposable income and they're financially secure. So I wouldn't assume that all of your donors are either in one of the groups, but I think giving people an opportunity to give, whether it's $5 or $500, is just incredibly important, not only for the public sector, the civic sector, but just for that personal community that you're building with your donors and letting them decide how they want to give to you. And if you have a donor that's given to you for 20 years and they can't give this year, that might be an opportunity to call them up or send them a card and say, that's fine. And we notice that you are maybe suffering a financial hardship or you couldn't give this year. We still value your community. We value your support and we value what you've brought to the table. So I I really wouldn't assume that people are not giving because the numbers and the data have shown that people, um, especially with the means to do so, are giving this year. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. So where do you see organizations needing to focus as they're coming up on the end of the year and starting the new year? There's some particular things they need to be looking at. 
In terms of communications, they really need to be focusing on whether or not they've been communicating with their donors as to the meaning of the gift. So what has been accomplished, even if it is not as much as you hoped, that's where I think nonprofits get stuck. They had grand plans for 2020. We all had grand plans for 2020. And they told their donors they were going to do one thing, and then they might not have been able to accomplish it. I really believe that organizations need to be very vulnerable this year. They need to get out of their comfort zone, and they need to talk to their donors like they are actual friends and say, we had planned to do this year, and you know what? We did, or we served twice as many people this year, or we didn't because of COVID and here's what happened and here's what our plan is next year. So we need to talk more honestly and share more of those maybe harder to explain kind of stories. We don't need to share stories that are just sugar-coated and tied up in a bow and have a happy ending. We need to trust that our donors understand that this year was unprecedented. It's a year like no other, and we're all on this journey together, and hopefully we can rebound next year. Julia, do you have any examples of organizations that have been doing creative things in terms of their donor communications or donor campaigns? Yes. So, Rosie's Place is one of my favorite nonprofits there in Boston, and they serve on a normal year over 200 women. And what I love about Rosie's Place, they don't take any government funding. They say it all the time. They rely on individual donations and private donations, and they take and serve any woman that comes in the door. So there's no requirements. You can be, I mean, you you just might need a hot shower. You might need a hot meal. You might need to talk to someone. This year, of course, everything completely changed. So what I loved about their communications this year is that they were very honest about it. They had weekly updates. They had a lot of stories being shared on social media. They talked to their staff members. They shared with the donors exactly what was going on the ground to say, we had to close for the first time in our history for a month and it was devastating. And this is what happened. Just really being brutal and honest. And I think that really, first of all, helped them reach more of the donors because we're so used to getting emails. Do you remember in March when everyone shut down, March and April, and you were getting emails from businesses that had nothing to do with anything and your inbox was completely cluttered with those kinds of emails? What stood out to me with Rosie's Place especially was that it felt like an email from a friend. It felt like an email from a real person. It was an email from a real person from the executive director. And it stood out because it was just very honest. And it was saying, we don't know what the future holds. This is our commitment. And we know this is your commitment. And we believe in this and we're going to do everything we can to get back on track. And so it's really been, I've been following their journey through social media and through email. Another organization very similar is Myra Incorporated, and they actually save women and men and children from sex trafficking situations in New England, which before I heard of Myra, I never knew was a problem in my own backyard. They also have, they run a shelter, they run a support group. So they have had issues because they had to close their doors for a period of time, but also they've just been incredibly open and transparent and letting us in and almost lifting the veil and showing us what goes on behind the scenes. So I know not many nonprofits are comfortable doing that. By the way, also completely 
respecting client confidentiality and integrity, never exploiting the clients and always using confidentiality is paramount to both of those organizations. Oh yeah, absolutely. I could totally see that. So if an organization thinks that they might want to retool some of their fundraising going into 2021, where do you suggest that they start? I always suggest storytelling. I think that if you have a compelling story to tell, then it needs to be shared with the world. So really look at places where you can collect stories. Where is the low-hanging fruit? And that could be your board. That could be your staff and your volunteers. You don't have to necessarily go to clients first. Maybe you do have great client stories to share. That's fantastic. But think about what makes your organization human and what kinds of stories can you share, especially on digital channels where we're craving human connection. What kind of stories can you share that's going to help me connect the dots about what your organization stands for and about why I should be supporting it? So I recommend focusing on storytelling. I also recommend looking into maybe a new technology or a new platform that you hadn't used before. If you have the capacity and you have the visuals and you have the wherewithal, maybe look into Instagram. Look into a platform like a TikTok if you're trying to reach younger donors. So try to figure out what platforms are out there that can best help you accomplish your goal, but also reach that target audience that you're trying to attract. I love it. (laughs) I think that's wise counsel. So where can people learn more about you and the work that you do, Julia? My website is jcsocialmarketing.com. That's Jay Campbell, jcsocialmarketing.com. On my website, I have a blog. I have tons of free resources and eBooks for you. And I have a list of all my online fundraising courses and online trainings that are available. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Sure. I think you've given folks a lot to think about. And I just want to say, even to the small shops out there, you can do it. It's doable. And you're doing fantastic work. And just thank you from the bottom of my heart for making the world a better place. Oh, thank you so much, Julia. Thank you. Hey there, Joy here. Just popping back for a quick thought before I close out this week's episode. Before we get totally lost in the end of year blur, I realized that I've missed mentioning the recent report that came out from Wild Apricot that was completely focused on membership growth. Did you catch it? I will include a link to it in the show notes. Um, I think you might find it helpful. I was one of a few experts who had been asked by Wild Apricot to review the report and provide feedback, and I'm not sure that my feedback was exactly what they were expecting. You see, one of the major premises in the report was that 68% of membership organizations had difficulty growing in 2019, and notably, this was even before we got into all the craziness that has been 2020. But I didn't read the report that way. What struck me is that if you looked at the numbers differently, 90% of organizations either had some growth or had stayed the same. There's long been a perception that the membership industry is stagnant and struggling, and some even go so far as to say that membership is dying, making it sound like it's an impossibility to grow. 
I simply don't believe that is true. I think that organizations have to be open to the idea that their membership model and their membership experience might need to change, but membership is definitely not dying. It's alive and well, and organizations that seek to understand what members want and how to meet member needs in innovative ways will continue to thrive in 2021 and beyond. Why? Because caring about your members and helping them solve problems will never go out of style. If this is something that you care about, I invite you to consider participating in the Member Experience Makeover Program in 2021. It's the best way I know to gain perfect clarity around what will bring value for your members. Together, we'll dive deep into every stage of your member experience, and we'll figure out together if what you're doing is really making a difference, or if there are things that possibly need some tweaks. I'd love to answer your questions about the program and help you decide if it's right for yourself, a team member, or maybe a committee or board leader. Just ask. You'll find all of the program details at joyofmembership.com slash makeover. As we head into the final stretch of the year, I do wish you the very happiest holiday season. I know there are many ways you can spend your time, and I appreciate that you choose to spend a few minutes every week here with me. Have a wonderful holiday break, and I'll see you back here again real soon. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you that there's a free one-page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey, so you'll know exactly where each piece fits. And everything that's on that one-pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than $1,000 per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech, joyofmembership.com slash tech, T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.